Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, reeling that someone thought it was a good idea to have an entire standing army that were powered by clockwork. <laughs> and joining us this evening, he is the writer and star of the Fright Fest selection Double Date, Danny Morgan. Danny, hello. Hi gents, thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this, Danny. Oh, no worries, no worries. And how are you before we begin? How is the wider world treating you right now? All right, mate. Yeah, all right. It's, uh, you know, obviously it's a bit weird, but I basically, the beginning of lockdown, I was living in London. I mean, the first lockdown, I don't know what lockdown we're in now, but the big, yeah, last March, I was living in London at just when it was all kicking off. And I thought, right, fuck this. I'm getting in my car and driving out to my parents' place in Wiltshire, out in the West Country, thinking I was probably going to be here for a few weeks until this all blows over. And then uh, I've been here for a year and my parents are, you know, losing their minds. And uh, so, yeah, it's been strange, but it's been good. I've been getting a lot of writing done and um, auditioning for things via Zoom. And so once the industry started getting going again, it was picking up. But yeah, it was a it was a weird six or seven months before things started picking up, really. You have uh, chosen Return to Oz as your film for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I understand that sounds a bit weird. Um, and when you told me to think of uh, a horror film, you know, an underappreciated horror film, I couldn't think of anything interesting. Like, I think the problem is I only really watch horror films if I know they're going to be genuinely good. Like, I'll, okay. I'll normally wait for reviews. I don't just watch all horror films that come out. So I haven't actually seen that much kind of guilty pleasure horror. Mm. But the one thing that came to my mind, but and I don't know why, because to this day it freaks me out, was Return to Oz. And I understand this is a basically a, it's supposed to be a children's film, but for the life of me, I can't understand why. I mean, it's, it's it's rated a PG. I think it should be an 18. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I had a few reservations at first when Mitch suggested this, purely because, obviously, at the time it came out, it, it didn't do particularly well, so it certainly meets yeah. the criteria there. But people have kind of flocked to Return to Oz over the years and have kind of embraced it. But upon rewatch tonight, I absolutely get why you chose it. <laughs> just so disturbing <laughs> like honestly i i had to rewatch it today as well because i thought hold on a minute have i am i losing my mind here is this is this more scary in you know in the memory bank than it is really like is this just something i've built up over the years and i stuck it on today and i was suddenly taken back to being a little kid just being terrified i was sat on the sofa and just wanting it to end the whole thing <laughs> you know it's just such an it brought back quite a lot of disturbing memories and things I'm going to have to work out with a therapist. Okay, wow. so well, I appreciate you taking the hit to um, all in the name of doing this. No, no worries, no worries. So how old were you when you first came across this then? I was thinking about that. I mean, I like to say I was about seven, but I think the sad reality, I was probably a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was probably because I mean I, d- I don't know what when it came out. Did you? Did anyone find out what the year it was that it came out? Yeah, eighty five. I think yeah. eighty five. Okay, so I would have been two. So I mean, I definitely saw it. Probably, I'm going to say when I was about ten. I'm going to give myself that, and it just left such an imprint on me. A scar. A scar. I mean, to this day, we're. You know, a, a podcast asked me to think of a scary film, and I go, "Return to Oz." I just blurt it out. <laughs> it's just always there at the front of my mind. <laughs> what I've been wanting, I've been wanting to, to share this pain with someone for a long time. Uh, okay. So this is going to be quite therapeutic for me, I think. Cool. Thank you. For, thank you for um, uh, choosing this comedy podcast to uh, bring up all the sheltered trauma. It's all right. If I if I start screaming and running away from the mic, just don't worry. I'll come back eventually. Yeah, I'll come out in the edit. You're fine. Great. <laughs> Danny, I believe you've listened to the show before, so you may have an idea what's coming next. Uh, it is possible that people are listening without having seen Return to Oz, and mm-hmm. it might be your opinion that it's better that they stay that way. <laughs> um, but uh, for the benefit of anyone that hasn't seen it, are you willing to uh, give us your best shot at 30-second synopsis of this film? Yeah, sure. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So it's a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Dorothy is living at home. She remembers being in Oz, uh, but no one believes her that it happened. She uh, goes to a mental asylum to have electroshock treatment, which is mental. She's about nine years old. Um, And then she ends up running away and ending up in Oz again. But Oz has gone bad. Oz is like destroyed by an evil gnome king. And then she goes on this Time. crazy adventure. Okay, we've got the scene set there. Sorry, I started getting emotional there. It all started coming out. Yeah, I, I could, I could hear the kind of rising intensity in your voice. <laughs> Mitch, I saw this in the cinema. Can you believe that? Right now, we did the math on this as well. That you would have been four or five. Yeah, July nineteen eighty-five. Wow. This came out, so I would have been four, which puts it up there. I would imagine somewhere amongst the earliest things I saw in the cinema. And definitely wow. to be filed under a formative horror memory, I would say as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember being particularly horrified or terrified <laughs> by it. Like there was definitely things I saw in my youth that I was far more frightened of. Like for years, I couldn't watch Gremlins hatching from their, their cocoon things. That that to me was the height of horror. Um, yeah. But upon me watching it tonight, I was like, "Fuck me, that is <laughs> that, that's like that, that's rough viewing for a child." Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, like, I hadn't seen this until tonight. And in all honesty, confession time, I haven't seen The Wizard of Oz. So um, I did... <laughs> I know. Well, this would have um, made even less sense to you then. <laughs> well, I, did, um, I, I didn't fly completely blind into it. I took maybe like a 15 minutes this afternoon to familiarise myself with the events of The Wizard of Oz, um, <laughs> just so I had a little bit of a grounding. Sure. Um, yeah. So we are, we're six months after the events of that film, then, and uh, mm. Dorothy is understandably still a bit hung up in proceedings. Well, you would be. Yeah, well, she's got post-traumatic stress syndrome. Yes. Obviously, her aunt and uncle, uh, M and Henry, are very concerned and obviously do not believe a word of what she says, which is obviously completely understandable. Yeah, variously, across the kind of early running of this film, Dorothy reels off a list of things that make her sound absolutely fucking mental. <laughs> I mean that's definitely true um, and they do say that she's like rambling about places that simply don't exist I believe is a quote she finds a key with a, an Oz based inscription on it I think it's quite sad that she obviously thinks that this is concrete proof of her story and everyone's going to completely believe her now <laughs> and she's like look at this and her aunt's like what the fuck is that 
yeah, it's just some dirty old key, but she runs up to her Aunt Emma and starts going, it's ours, my friend. She says, so my friend threw it down from a shooting star. <laughs> and her Aunt Em just looks at her like, we need to get this kid into therapy. Like, she's she's mentally ill, clearly. Uncle Henry's uh, in the other room, like, unfolding newspaper clippings that are like, is your child fucking nuts? Zap their brains out at this clinic. Like, it's one of those pure snake oil adverts. Like. <laughs> That was the thing that I saw it today, and I was like, "Holy shit! They're, they're taking her for electroshock treatment." Like, this is a nine-year-old child, and this was one of the things that I saw today, and I didn't remember as a kid. That sort of went over my head, but I was like, "That's so dark, man." Electroshock therapy is like possibly the saddest and most nihilistic bit of the ending of Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> <laughs> So we've already drawn a comparison between Requiem for a Dream and Return to Oz. You know what? Stranger comparisons have been made on this show. Uh, (laughs) That's for for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, Mitch Piper Laurie, by the way, popping up here as Auntie M. Yes, indeed. Uh huh. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a it's such a dark opening. Like first act is probably one of the scariest first act ever for the. And it was interesting because I saw an interview with the director who um, I wrote his name down. He only directed one film. This was it. Yeah. Walter Murch. Yeah. It's probably because he freaked everyone out so much. Everyone was like, I'm not working with him. That was supposed to be a kid's film. <laughs> I was like, what Just... the fuck's he, he going to do if we actually give him a grown-up film? Gonna... Well, he got uh, he got fired after a week uh, because apparently he was moving too slow. And he uh, got Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, and George Lucas to lobby on his behalf to get the job back. Are you serious? <laughs> I think it was more, yeah, they said that the stuff just wasn't turning around quick enough. They didn't think he'd be able to finish the film to timescales, which he he did. But, I mean, he's a, Walter Murch is an editor who edited things like Wolfman, uh, Jarhead, Talented Mr. Ripley, English Patient. And this was his first kind of directing gig. And uh, with the exception of an episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the only thing he's directed. (laughs) It's such a bizarre career, isn't it? That is strange. An unexpectedly uh, pivotal character introduction here as well. Don't want to blow past it. Belina the chicken. Sure. Yep. Not going to lie. Completely undersold in the moment the impact she would go on to have on the story. Well, uh, you, oh. you don't expect the impact that she would have. Uh, you expect when you see Toto <laughs> that Toto the Boulder Terrier is in fact going to play a bigger part in this as much as he did yeah. in The Wizard of Oz. But he's largely sidelined. Yeah, he is. He doesn't come on the adventure this time, Toto. Because what, actually what happens is when she does end up in back in Oz she has the chicken with her but the chicken can talk and mm. it's like an ele- it's like an electronic animatronic chicken and I suppose that's easier to sort of work with on set than a, an actual real life dog <laughs> so they probably just thought let's just give, can we just give her a chicken puppet to walk around with it's going to save us a lot of time extremely past remarkable chicken yeah I mean for 85 it's not bad yeah totally agree also at this point Toto's probably quite an old dog when like wind can when when there was the possibility of another adventure out there, probably just like you know what I'm alright actually. Mitch, I'm yeah. going to say right now I don't think it's the same dog from the original film, um, <laughs> given that there was forty six years in between the two. Also, the time deserves a rest. You remember you, a minute ago when you said the time in between the was and the was and this is six months, so really not that much has changed for this dog. <laughs> you know what? I am wrong on multiple levels, chiefly withdrawing. Yeah, but just on this on the topic of age. This is another really interesting thing about this film, and I think it's pivotal to why it's so terrifying, is that the actress, what's her name again? Feruza Balk. Feruza Balk. 
she's playing Dorothy as a nine-year-old and she is nine. Like the actress was nine when she did it. So she is a kid, right? And and in the first Wizard of Oz, Dorothy looks like a 27-year-old drug addict. Like she, she looks like a grown woman, but she's supposed to be nine. And so that's what makes this even scarier. Like all this stuff is, is you can see this little kid is just terrified the entire time. Made even more terrifying by the fact, I think, that Judy Garland was 16 when she played Dorothy. So, yeah. like, I mean, the fact that she looked like a 27-year-old drug addict um, <laughs> probably yeah. isn't great. No, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just horrifying. But that first act is is just incredible. And, they, and the, yeah, they send, her, they send her off to Electro... Well, they take her to, like, this mental asylum. At first, they take her to a therapist. And you, there's this guy, and you think, oh, okay, well, he's quite nice. And then he says, we'll keep you here overnight. And they lock, they tie her to a bed. They strap this nine-year-old to a bed and take her in for electroshock treatment. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the scariest scenes. Um, when she's, like, strapped to the bed and she's, like, quietly tying me down, it's like, oh, we're just making sure you don't fall off. And she's like, I came all the way here in a cart and I didn't fall off. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, just go. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty horrible. Um, I don't want to blow past the fact that, um, you know, the pipe-smoking medical professional that decides that she needs electroshock therapy, I do think it's quite funny when he tries to, like, introduce the electroshock therapy machine as like a cartoon character when it's like this is its eyes and this is its mouth and this is the part that's going to zap the bad thoughts out of your head (laughs) well there's all that stuff here that kind of telegraphs the characters and things that she's going to see later because there is a question much as there is in the wizard of oz about whether any of this actually happens at all or whether it's all dorothy's imagination Mm. Um, because the girl who i guess looks like princess ozma brings her a pumpkin uh, there's a lot of clockwork wind-up stuff on that electrical face machine that's kind of TikTok. Right. TikTok Obviously, yeah. the, the kind of main nurse and the doctor are the Gnome King and Princess Mombi, respectively, and one of the orderlies is the kind of head wheeler. When I was a kid, I didn't notice that those actors come back, which is what happens in the original film as well, yeah. but I did, that completely went over my head as a kid. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like watching it back, knowing that now, I think that if I ever rewatch this, and that's a big if... um, uh, I think that it will depress the shit out of me even more than it did this time around yeah it's horrible (laughs) it is a bit fortunately we don't actually have to watch a nine year old get electroshock therapy because as this is about to happen uh, the practice is struck by lightning there's a power outage and yeah this this mysterious girl that has appeared and given her a pumpkin earlier helps her escape it's a very dramatic escape I was loving it stakes felt very high And this was something that hit me today that freaked me out. They, the two girls, little girls, run out of the asylum. They're being chased by the evil woman, like doctor woman or whatever she is. Chased through the mud. They, the two girls jump into a river, like a fast running, like the rapids sort of thing. They jump into the river. The, the woman tries to grab them. And then they, the two girls grab onto a branch. It breaks off and they start going off down this river. And this only occurred to me today. The, the main girl, Dorothy... She finds a cage, like a wooden cage, and gets into it. The other girl, I think, drowns. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't surface. And at the end of the film, she's kind of seen as almost like a sort of ghostly figure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't see her again at the end when she comes back. And it's almost like that girl died in that river. I mean, I don't know, but that's sort of what I took from it. If you are to believe that there is the possibility that everything we're seeing in Oz is like Dorothy's unconscious dream yeah. while freezing to death by a river overnight. 
then yeah, yeah that would track conceivably that Ozma would be this kind of ghostly projection of this girl who died. I mean, yeah, I mean, that might be just me really trying to read too much into this, trying to make it scarier than it actually is. Uh, no, see, guys, it's scary, right? Yeah, well, right? The little, come on, guys. If you want to talk about scary, this is where the real nightmare begins. <laughs> Are you talking about the talking chicken? Well, I'm talking about just <laughs> everything that happens from the minute she gets to us is fucking terrifying. Well, that's the thing. You think, right, the first act is dark as fuck, right? Really bleak, you know, and then... You think, oh, thank God, second act, she's going to Oz, surely it's going to pick up now, it's going to be nice, it's going to be fucking munchkins, it's going to be, you know, whatever, singing, scarecrows, we're going to have a good time. And then she gets there, and Oz is fucked. Oz is completely destroyed, but the yellow brick road is in tatters, there's just bricks everywhere, it's every, it, it just looks like a bomb, is it, Oz? Absolutely, yeah, I, and like the Emerald City is like an absolute, just a big pile of rubble. <laughs> I don't want to blow past the fact that obviously when she wakes up and we're in Oz, uh, she has now been joined by Belina the chicken, who can now talk. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And I love the fact that when she realizes that they are in Oz, the first thing that she thinks is like, oh, we're in Oz. I can finally prove to this talking chicken that only I can see that I'm not insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> and also the talking chicken immediately you, you realise this talking chicken has one of the most annoying voices. So she's kind of doing Yeah, she's kind of doing like a Southern American, like old woman sort of voice. And you realise, oh God, that fucking chicken's going to be talking for the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do wish think... that she just sort of choked it in, in before the second episode. <laughs> you go, well, Belina, I don't know what I'm going to get to eat again. <laughs> and then two, two minutes later find the lunch pail trees and be like ah I, I perhaps I acted rashly <laughs> Dorothy just trying to strangle this talking chicken that young girl lives on a farm she's fucking killed chickens before let's not oh, yeah. let's not be under any doubt here I actually wrote down initially that I was surprised that she was so unfazed by seeing a uh, talking chicken then I'm like no I'm not mm. she's seen mm. some things She's seen some shit in her time, you know. She's seen everything. A talking chicken is a child's play to Dorothy. We also, 100%. We also get our first uh, indication here that the big bad in this is going to be the Gnome King. And we get the first inkling here that he's absolutely petrified of chickens, which kind of undercuts his ferocity a little bit. It's weird, isn't it? Because the rocks come alive and they keep an eye. They're like the Gnome King's kind of watchmen. They're out there watching what's going on and they they report back to the gnome king and you see this rock saying oh master dorothy is here and sh-, and the, you hear the gnome king big, big booming voice and he's terrifying and then the, and then the rock says and she's got a chicken and it's you the gnome king freaks out <laughs> and you and you're wondering like oh immediately like you're right immediately you go oh well he's not that scary he's scared <laughs> of a fucking chicken i had this uh, i had this moment where i I imagine, do you know like in Tom and Jerry, right, where you see the the, the big kind of mama character with the, with the slippers and the kind mm. of tights that are crumpled down a little bit at the ankles? Like, I had this... Thomas! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had this vision of the Gnome King acting in a very similar way around the chicken, but hiking up his robes and hopping around in his massive oversized ruby <laughs> slippers. Well, he does... I mean, he doesn't. He's not far from that. Towards the end, he really overreacts to that chicken at the end. 
She also discovers the house that she travelled to Oz in in the first film and identifies the site of her first murder. <laughs> yes. That was an <laughs> accident. Well, sorry, yeah, sorry, it's... vehicular manslaughter. Yeah, vehicular, <laughs> but the house is a vehicle. <laughs> I suppose if it's flying through the air, technically. We also get our first look at the wheelers here. Oh. Um I um quite like I'm right there with you on this one, Danny. The wheelers yeah. are fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is I think the wheelers. Even people who don't really remember the film very well probably remember the wheelers. I, I think in terms of horror, this scene is the scariest, and this is the scene that really stayed with me the most when I was a kid. Mm. But yeah, they're just terrifying creatures, and and the, the way she's walking through this sort of all these statues of like her old friends who have been turned to stone by the gnome king and suddenly you hear this kind of like this creaky wheel turning and it's such like a horror film soundtrack at this point like it's like a creaky door and you just see these like weird creatures up in the background but you hear these wheels turning and you hear like this crazed sort of la- high pitched like hyena like laughing and I mean, I don't know if I can, like, can I play, I recorded like a little 10 second audio of just a, just a bit of the wheelers scene. Absolutely. But um, I just want you to think that this is the soundtrack. Like, can you imagine a kid watching this film and hearing this? <laughs> I mean, it is horrible. Also, their appearance is is horrible as well. They don't. It's the long, like the lengthened arms and legs with the wheels on them. The weird hats that they wear that have faces on the top of them, so that when they're coming towards you with their head down, it looks like yeah. they've got these weird kind of almost like Grecian mask things on, yeah. the, on their head. It's they're fucking horrible. Truly horrible. The design, the design is really good. Yeah, they've got they've got wheels for hands and feet, and they wheel around on all fours. And they like, I think they're supposed to be like hyenas, and they just laugh at everything. But th- that soundtrack, like that, I remember being a kid and hearing that those noises when I went mm-hmm. to bed. Just the laughing and the screaming and the chicken. It was, all, <laughs> you know, it was just all those sounds together is enough to give anyone nightmares. You're right. It's it's like it's a it's a horrible overall package. I think, but I. <laughs> But you're right, their, their actual aesthetic is really weird. And I did think, like, I mean, the first time that they actually appeared, I was like, oh my god, that's creepy as fuck. But they kind of look like a gang you would see roaming the streets in a Purge film. Right. <laughs> okay. Or street, street performers. Yeah, yes. there is there is something about Edinburgh Festival about them, I guess. <laughs> you can see, see them on the Royal Mile handing out flyers for their, for their new fucking wheelie show. <laughs> and it wouldn't be so scary, but... In this context, and it's the way it's shot, like it's definitely shot like a horror film, that scene. Yeah. And the, the sound and everything is, is haunting. The moment where they're advancing on Dorothy and Belina down that corridor while they're trying mm. to get in that door is, is, one of the, is one of the most frightening things in the film for me. Um, yeah, like what are they going to do to her? Well, they're going to like, tear her into pieces and throw her into the deadly desert. That's what they say, right? They say, we're going to tear you into pieces and throw you into the deadly desert, which, by the way, is a desert if you touch the sand you turn into sand which is terrifying mm-hmm. um so they want to tear her into pieces and then throw those pieces into the deadly desert and so all those pieces will turn to sand they could just throw her on the sand mm. but no the wheelers are so fucking sadistic 
and evil, they're going to tear into pieces, then turn her into sand. And, and this is you, a nine-year-old and, girl. And if you want to dig and, in any deeper than that, they don't have hands, so they're going to either tear <laughs> into pieces with their mouths or <laughs> with blunt force using their wheels. I didn't even think of that. That's so true. How are they going to do it? Oh, Jesus, God. Jesus Christ, guys. I know. <laughs> I know. And well, now you understand, right? Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, uh, the wheelers, though, uh, fairly easily dispatched in the moment by uh, TikTok, who we meet here. TikTok's yeah, amazing. That, TikTok is amazing. TikTok's a sort of old man, sort of, imagine like Winston Churchill is a robot. <laughs> kind of it's just this round circle with an old with an old war helmet it's like an old soldier he's got like a, and he's got a mustache and he's just been standing in this cave or whatever it is for like probably about a hundred years or whatever it is and um he's just he's got these um things that you wind up on sure. his back and and each one does a different bit of his body so one bit winds up he's thinking and one what are they called those things you wind up Keys? Keys. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So you wind up the key and each key does a different thing. So one is for movement, one is for thinking. And so and there's this really haunting speech he gives where he's like basically when Dorothy was last there and she left, he was just wandering around this and he sort of waddles. And he walk when he walks he goes tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, <laughs> which is fucking weird. By the way, he is played by an actor who is upside down. The actor's hands are in TikTok's what? legs. Are you joking? Are you fucking serious? Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? I mean, why not just put him the right way up? Can't he do it? Can't he do it the right way up? I don't there's understand. A definite, there's a definite hazing the new guy vibe to that. Isn't it? yeah, like, yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Why can't I just wear his feet like my just, feet? Just get in the yeah. tin sphere upside down. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like overkill. No wonder this fucking director was fired. He's fucking mad. It's the only way it'll work. Climb in, hands first. Yeah, exactly. So it TikTok waddles around, but then he gives his speech and he says, when you left the first time, I was just wandering around, calling out to you, Dorothy. I mean, talks like this, calling out to you, Dorothy. Excellent. Um, and then my keys ran down, and then my thought key ran down and then everything went dark and it was it's so haunting mm -hmm. he's just been stood there collecting dust and cobwebs waiting for her to return mm. made me think about my own mortality <laughs> i'm assuming that was also your initial response as a 10 year old as well <laughs> yeah we're all just TikTok waiting for our keys That's to it. fucking run down <laughs> i've just been walking through life waiting for my thought to run down and waiting for my body <laughs> to run down Wait. Waiting for Dorothy to save me. <laughs> I've got to say, though, possibly one of the worst ways that you could construct an army is an army that requires <laughs> an individual person to turn three keys on each soldier <laughs> before they head off. And then you run the risk of them all running out of, yeah. I don't know, whatever you would call it, wind before yeah. the end of the battle. If their brain runs down, as we find out later, TikTok goes absolutely fucking nuts. <laughs> like, he, he, he tells he Jack like, he almost like gets dementia or something. It's really weird. Yeah, he yeah. tells Jack Pumpkinhead to tie his shoes together, and then Jack Pumpkinhead falls over, and TikTok's just like <laughs> just talking absolute malarkey. Like he's but yeah, he starts going chicken feet, monkey dance, do the <laughs> things, eggs and stuff, and everyone's going, oh TikTok, no, his brain's winding down. <laughs> 
But TikTok, in the moment here, very helpful. Like I say, he dispatches an entire army of wheelers, um, which I'm not going to lie. When he was like, I'll handle this, I was like, will you fuck? And they yeah, did. Mm, he did, like, to be fair. I mean, he just sort of spins round with a bucket in his hand and knocks them all out, mm-hmm, which yeah. is, you know, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, and, and none of the wheelers learned any after the first two got taken out by the spinning bucket. They all just battered straight in and got knocked the fuck out. You'll notice yeah, not- there's some at the top of the stairs who can't get down. Like, the stairs are obviously <laughs> the wheelers' natural enemy. So they're like they're kind of just like gingerly testing the stairs with our like with our wheels the same way that like Ed Two Hundred Nine does in RoboCop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got a bit of the uh, Dalek problem, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very much so. However, uh, we do mind the wheelers for some exposition at this point, and they say that as we've kind of deduced, the uh, the Gnome King has trashed the place and kind of turned a bunch of people to stone and seized power as well. Captured uh, the Scarecrow in the process. This is really fucking weird. See, when when the stakes for this being set up, I was like, especially as somebody who hasn't seen the first film, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, mate, even if you have seen the first one, it makes no fucking sense. (laughs) No, no, and I think that's part of the reason this did so badly, is that it Mm. was kind of packaged as a direct sequel to The Wizard of Oz. And then, if you watch The Wizard of Oz from 1939... Like you said, Danny, it's, uh, you think, oh, I'm going to have a good time here. Um, <laughs> although The Wizard of Oz is not without its dark moments, uh, no, it's nothing it's compared to Return to Oz. Absolutely no, nothing. Well, Return to Oz, I, I looked it, I'm not joking, the whole thing is about an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. The first hour and a half is bleak and dark and terrifying. And then the last 10 minutes, it sort of gets a bit better. But if, yeah. yeah, if you're looking for, a, if you, all these kids looking for a good time sequel to The Wizard of Oz, we're in for a shock. It's so incredibly jarringly in that direction that it feels like such a massive misdirect to even pitch this as a sequel to something that actually authentically was a kid's film. Yeah, and a musical as well. Like <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was like, a, yeah, it's just, I just can't believe it got made. This is in, has more in connection with something like Oz, the extremely gritty, harrowing prison drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty embarrassing that we've all got this confused and that's the universe this is set in. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're off to a royal palace at this point where uh, we meet uh, Mombi, which I think is kind of a kind of secondary antagonist in this whole thing. Um, a lute playing yeah. princess with a hall full of heads mm. that she alternates between. Yeah, she collects severed heads. So this princess has like a big ballroom full of all these different heads that she can switch on and off, like Wurzel Gummidge for anyone over the age of about yep. thirty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she takes Dorothy into this hallway, and you see all these different heads, and she says, "I'm going to put on something a bit more comfortable," and she takes off her fucking head in in front of a child. I can't stress this enough. All these things happen in front of a nine-year-old girl. Yep, a mentally disturbed nine-year-old girl. Very mentally disturbed with a lot of mental illness problems. Princess Mombi takes off her head, puts on a new one, and then looks at Dorothy and says, basically says, I'd quite like to have your head in a few years. You've got a nice head. Um, and then, and uh, she's basically saying, in, "I'm going to lock you up." She says, "I'm going to lock you up for a few years, and then I'm going to cut off your head yeah. uh, and put it in, put it with my collection." And meanwhile, like... TikTok's just sort of waddling around in the background, being no fucking help whatsoever. Well, his gears have run run out again. I was going to say he's not been wound up in a while. Yeah, 
he's not been well done. <laughs> what a useless soldier. Honestly, <laughs> preposterous. So he's he's more a fucking hindrance than anything. I guess it's kind of tactical savvy as comes in handy at certain points, particularly when they're yeah. constructing the gump later on. But this is fucking <laughs> in the early running. I'm like, God, he's more hassle than he's worth. Leave him, leave him behind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. All the people she takes along the way, like her gang of friends who she meets, like the equivalent of the the you know the cowardly lion and the tin man and the scarecrow in the first one. You think maybe they're going to be sort of nice, happy, fun guys, but they're terrifying as well. And depressing. TikTok, you know, TikTok's quite friendly, but he's quite depressing. They're quite depressing and sad and melancholy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, next up in this, we meet uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, who is potentially the saddest character in the whole thing, this potentially orphaned, anthropomorphized pumpkin man. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Who, who, yeah, like in, in, in like a really interesting piece of nominative determinism happens to be called Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. And he's blatantly, I think, uh, the inspiration for Jack Skellington. He in, is. Uh, that's a fact. Is, yeah. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. Did he? Did Tim Burton yeah. say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just Jack Skellington. <laughs> it come to life. Yeah. Although I think that he probably lacks Jack Skellington's joie de vivre, though. For yes, sure. very much. He's more like a sort of lost, scared child. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, and he there's... insists he insists on calling Dorothy Mum. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really yeah, creepy. Like... He goes, Mom, can I Mom? And then Dorothy goes, No, I'm not your mom. And then he starts going, Please can I call you mom? And it's like a nine year old girl. And this this pumpkin head is about eight foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird in itself. Yeah, it's 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 a fucking weird dynamic. But I I, I think that yeah, him, 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 him constantly trying to do that the entire way through and her visibly being uncomfortable with it and getting no less uncomfortable with it as the no. thing goes on is really disquieting to look at. I don't know. It's I, I feel really bad for Jack. Like uh, yeah, me too. Absolutely, me too. His naivety is just. I just want to reach out to him, but I want him to know yeah. that I don't want to look after him. No, I don't want to be his dad. No. Yeah. No. I want everything to be okay for you, but I don't want to be personally responsible for that outcome. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I've, I've used this before, Mitch, right? But you know at the end of the Goonies, when, <laughs> when, Chuck, go with this again. when Chuck takes Sloth home, right? Yes. If I was Chuck's parents, I'd be like, look, I get it, right? This guy's had a life. He's had a terrible life, but I don't want him living in my house. He's a seven foot enormous muscular man beast. Like can't, abomination. Yeah. He can't turn around without smashing something. Like can we not like we'll, we'll put him in the shed or like we'll put him somewhere else? We'll, like yeah. I'll rent I'll rent him a flat, but I don't want him <laughs> in the house. I don't want the responsibility. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about Jack Pumpkinhead. Like I say, I feel like, I feel like he's kind of like too pure for the world. I think that the minute he yeah. has to go outside and fend for himself, he's just going to immediately die. And he's yeah, he's so frail. Like he just yeah. he's falling apart constantly. His head's fucking falling. His pumpkin head is falling off all the time. He's like his arms. His arms are like dried up twigs. <laughs> And they just, his fingers keep falling off, and it's just cruel. Like you just think someone should just kill this thing. <laughs> it's you know, why did anyone make this and bring it to life? It's really cruel. Like, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons when there's a? I think someone. <laughs> what is it? It's like there's this freak thing in a classroom, and it just wakes up and says, "Kill, kill me, kill me." <laughs> you just think Jack Skellington is just begging to be killed. It's, I mean, yeah. Jack's uh, Jack's just kind of drifting through life. The the character I feel the worst for is the Gump because the Gump didn't ask for any of this. Like the Gump doesn't have 
a body. The gump is just a head, like a useless yeah. fucking head attached to a couch. Yeah, so yeah. they make they make the gump out of bits of things they find in this room to escape Princess Mambi's palace, and it's a it's a uh, a moose's head on the wall tied to a sofa, and then they sprinkle this life dust on it, and this thing comes alive. And again, that is just looking around, going, "What am I? What am I? <laughs> Why am I alive?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like a Frankenstein sort of moment. Absolutely, it? death. It hurts to be dead. <laughs> the scene actually where Dorothy goes and gets the the powder of life from Mombi is for my money it's toss up between the, the introduction of the wheelers and this scene from yeah. the most frightening scene in the film where all the heads are screaming and the headless Mombi's chasing Dorothy through the, the castle like that, that's fucking that's horrific that's a great shout that is a great I, I, I think that yeah those are the two things that stick out to me as being the two most like outwardly properly disturbing things that happen I would say uh, this yeah. one yeah w- when she's trying to get the powder of life and she inadvertently wakes up one head and the head shrieks aloud and wakes up all the other heads fucking hell yeah that's the thing and they start screaming they start screaming Dorothy yeah and, the- and she's running out and the, and the princess mummy who apparently doesn't wear a head when she goes to bed she takes her head she takes her head she goes headless in bed yeah. So she's asleep, and then you see this headless woman just sort of rise up out of the bed and start running after Dorothy. Yeah, that's a really scary bit. Save yourself a fortune in pillows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true. And and you don't have snoring problems if you right. sleep with someone. Yeah, and uh, the scene where actually she's trying to get that key off her wrist is fucking super tense as well. I was, I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she yeah. chases them away and they bring the gump to life and they fly out of this castle away on this rickety fucking life raft with palm frond wings. Like, yeah. This is like that thing about uh, bees shouldn't be able to fly because their bodies are too fat for their wings yeah. to support them. Like, yeah, the wings no on way this, gump should be able to fly. Yeah, the wings Absolutely on this not. are made of palm fronds. This is another case where they should have just went, and Jack actually vocalises this. TikTok should have been fucking couped over the end of that into the deadly desert because he must weigh close to a ton. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely, he's dead weight, isn't he, TikTok? Absolutely. Gump goes down. When he's flying them uh, to the kingdom, he, he crashes into the Gnome King mountain in what he claims is him running out of steam, but yeah, given that he's had to comprehend the reality of his grim new existence, may have been a suicide attempt. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, he cut his own ropes. And just He just said, no, I'll just end this, please. I want to die. Yeah. And so they all come tumbling down. TikTok, Jack, Pumpkinhead, Dorothy, the fucking chicken. Uh, the, they all come tumbling down onto the mountain. And this is when we're basically getting into the sort of end of the second act, beginning of the third act. Yeah, yeah. We do actually get to see one of the wheelers tip into the deadly desert here which is horrible ah it's a really yeah. cool it's a really cool visual though i like this a lot mm. some of the effects for a film that's like what 35 years 25 how many 35, 35 years old, years old? Yeah. like are pretty good like they hold up pretty well some of them yeah i think so i think i think that a lot of the stuff where it really counts it gets it really right mm. the stop motion stuff uh coming up shortly pretty much there's almost stop motion in every scene until the end of this film and um, yeah. the stuff with the gnome king is amazing and they, great they, they're the gnomes yeah we do meet the gnome king here uh but yeah kind of a first proper good look at him anyway and kind of like seeing him interact with people in a proper way i think that basically every different visual representation we get of the gnome king is really cool yeah, yeah he basically appears in rocks and on the side of the mountain so i guess the idea is that he is 
rock, right? He yeah. is <laughs> stone and he's desperate to be alive. There's a bit of a Pinocchio thing going on. He's desperate to be a real life person. Yeah. So the rocks kind of, the, the side of the mountain turns into a face and it's the Gnome King and he starts talking to them and basically they have a bit of a chit chat and the chicken's mouthing off. And <laughs> the, you can see immediately the chicken and the Gnome King are not getting along. Tension there, a lot of tension. Uh, and then the, the floor sort of cracks open and Dorothy falls into the middle of this mountain and she's flying, floating through air and she sees all the emeralds and the, basically they all fall into the middle of this mountain where the Gnome King at this point, sort of becomes Jigsaw from the fucking Saw <laughs> franchise. Yeah. I've got that uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, he's a complete sadist. And he's, he sort of says, right, we're going to play a game. We're going to play yeah. a game. If you want to find the Scarecrow, which is apparently what Dorothy wants to do. If you want to find your old mate, the Scarecrow, we're going to play a game where you all probably will die. But what choice have you got? What's, what's mm-hmm. the death or life as a piece of fucking tat that you would find <laughs> in a second hand shop? <laughs> so we do yeah we do find out that he's turned the scarecrow into an ornament here and the stakes of the game that he makes everyone play is that they all have to try and guess which ornament he's been turned into and if they don't get it right they get turned into ornaments themselves now i don't think that jack pumpkinhead the gump or tiktok knew who the scarecrow was before this the scare uh, uh, tiktok definitely did because it was a scarecrow that assigned tiktok his mission Right. Okay. I was gonna say yeah. because the because because I mean like the deck is stacked massively, even more so against people who didn't know who the scarecrow was before he got turned into a drink. <laughs> That's right. I suppose. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he is true. the king. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, the that king is for a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah he was yeah. the king for a while. Is that what happens at the end of the Wizard of Oz? No. The scarecrow becomes no. king. No. 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 I, not, I think it? a lot of this comes from the books. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the scarecrow became king in a coup that was not depicted on screen. <laughs> <laughs> a bloodless, cu- a bloodless coup. <laughs> um, this game immediately uh, claims a couple of people, including uh, including Jack, who fair play, oh, motors through the five stages of grief and just resigns himself to death before he's even lost the game. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, he's death. I'm telling you, he wants to die. He's suicidal. Jack Pumpkinhead wants to die, and so when he gets the opportunity, he's like, "Fucking let me in there! I've had enough of this shit." Yeah, because like Dorothy's like, "Um, oh, um, don't go," and he's like, "Nah, you've got stuff to miss. I don't." And I was like, "Jesus Christ, man!" And like that's like, <gasps> one of the many times where you kind of like have to take a step back, <laughs> observe the wider picture, and be like, "This is for kids." Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> exactly. He sacrifices himself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you said it. They have to go into this room full of trinkets and ornaments and they have to touch an ornament say odds really loudly and if it is what the scarecrow was turned into then the scarecrow will come to life if they get it wrong three times they become an ornament forever um and so jack goes in first and then you hear um this you hear lightning every time he gets it wrong and then you basically find out that he got it wrong three times he's dead well, he's an ornament. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. TikTok, again, just Andy, going back to your point about the logistical nightmare of him needing constant upkeep uh, because mm. Dorothy is like, oh, you know, like Crystal Maze style, like this is a mental game. So winds up his like thinking mm-hmm. cog, but forgets <laughs> to do the mobility one. So he gets to, gets into the puzzle room and is like, well, I can't look at the arms now because I can't fucking move. <laughs> and, uh, ironically, yeah. becoming an ornament without playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> and even the gnome king sort of rolls his eyes and goes, and goes, oh, can you just go in there and fucking help him out? He's just standing there like an idiot. He hasn't even touched anything yet. <laughs> Dorothy's got a fucking cheek to arrive on the side of that mountain and refer to this motley crew that she has assembled by accident. In fact, most of them she has literally assembled like some kind of weird fucking airfix kit. Like, <laughs> she refers to them as her army. The Gnome King yeah. must have been fucking petrified. Yeah, well, he laughs in her face, doesn't he? He, he cracks up. I mean, literally <laughs> cracks up and everything will fall into the crack. But, um, yeah, they're definitely not an army. They're ridiculous. No, no whatever else they are. Um, <laughs> before she does this, the Gnome King reveals that he has the red slippers that she would need to transport herself home. Ruby, and, Mitch, uh, thank you. Could please give them the, the, oh, ruby, sorry, title, yes. the ruby slippers. Thanks. The ruby slippers, yeah, they're there. He says basically, it's like this is like you're out. It's like you can you can consign your friends, your army to a life of being ornaments if you take these and fuck off. It, yeah. It's so fucking dumb to think that the gnome king is just sitting there all the time in these fucking red ruby slippers, like like my granny sitting in front of the telly watching Coronation Street. Do you know what I mean? It's it's preposterous to think that he sat there with them on under his robe. And also. They're this, apparently they're the same slippers, but they fit a giant gnome king. <laughs> and they also fit a nine-year-old child. They fit a man the size of a mountain. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing these slippers, which look about size 25 on him. It's like, can you believe we have the same size feet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he reveals them in a really sort of strange, kind of coquettish... Yeah. sort of weird like slightly um effeminate way but it, it almost does like a little dance with them just shows a little bit of ankle uh yeah shows a little bit of rock ankle gets them going yeah <laughs> so she never gets a spooky hallway and winds up tiktok who uh once again full of the joys of life and ready to go immediately loses the game well, she doesn't need to wind up tiktok yeah, you see because he's a wily old fox <laughs> using some of that military savvy that he's got to play the game correctly Mombi arrives in synchronicity with this happening uh, at the mountain. It's Mombi's. Uh, well, Dorothy gets her first two guesses wrong. It's Mombi's method of arrival that cracks me up. The fact that she has attached the wheelers to the front of a sled like so many reindeer. <laughs> like she yeah. is whipping the shit out of them. Like, and go back to yeah. what you said there, Mitch, about the first two guesses of Dorothy. She's not even fucking trying, man. She's just looking at things <laughs> and going, Oz, nah, fuck. Oz, yeah. fuck, no. She's not even thinking about the game. Not even thinking. By the way, really sad to see TikTok cry in those Swarfiga tears. Oh, yeah. That was really sad. Yeah, he does get emotional. That is the one part of him that does not need winding. His heart. No, he's all, he's all, he's all heart, TikTok. We realise at this point kind of vaguely what the stakes are. The Gnome King will become completely human when memory of Oz is completely vanquished, mm-hmm. basically, as far as, as far as I can tell. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> excellent. Um, uh, Dorothy kind of, well, she kind of susses out the system sort of by chance. She figures out or gets right that one of the green ornaments is Scarecrow. In this case, it's a fucking giant emerald. Like, it's, not, it's not an ornament. Yeah. That's, most people don't have a giant or, like emerald on top of their mantelpiece. That's not an ornament, that's an enormous fucking gemstone. It yeah. sticks out like a sore thumb. It really does. She should have probably got that on the first go. If she'd had a proper look round first, 
Like they don't even look round at everything. She was just kind of grabbing shit and going, "There, Oz." No. <laughs> I kind of feel like as well. I mean, between TikTok, the Gump, and Jack, and now Dorothy, in a room full of like, I would say a conservative estimate, a hundred ornaments and one giant emerald. It took until the twelfth guess between them before somebody decided <laughs> the emerald. Yeah, honestly, this thing could have had a sign above it going, "This is the fucking scarecrow." Clearly, yeah, this is your guy. You do yeah. a full circuit of the room first. Take everything in before you start tossing take, out guesses willy-nilly. Exactly. Take as, take as long as you want. There's no. He didn't set a time limit. The Gnome King didn't set a time limit. You could just Great go in and point. have mm. a look around. You could take days. I mean, the yep. film would have got a bit boring, but... <laughs> Again, like on the Crystal Maze. That's how people let, like, let themselves down. They don't look at the whole puzzle before they start. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> This, in many ways, was a predecessor to the Crystal Maze, I think. Mm, I don't know why I'm going so hard on that comparison. It really does not well, hold think that about, much Well, there's a lot. Of, there's, you know, emeralds, crystals. True, yeah. Get yeah. the emerald, get the emerald, get the crystal. There's, you know, it's there. <laughs> Gnome King was a slightly like, you know, what was his name? Richard O'Brien? Yeah, a Richard O'Brien type figure. <laughs> yeah. God, this um, is all coming together. Once Dorothy has sussed out that people from Oz are green, green she um, uses this to very quickly reinstate the Gump. Uh, the Gump is back. She also brings back Jack. The king imprisons Mombi for her incompetence while this is going on, basically. Um, they're getting ready to kind of make an escape attempt, and everything that happens here is phenomenal. Can I just say mm. before you go on, we see Scarecrow here. He's back, and the Scarecrow is fucking horrible. Yeah. Absolute nightmare to behold like that's what this film does right it takes beloved characters like we all know yeah. well except for you Mitch who knows nothing about the Wizard of Oz but the Tin Man the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion from the original are such kind of indelible characters and this film just takes the stuff that we know and just makes it weirder and scarier the Scarecrow was supposed to be like you know your, your happy old you know your friend who turns up and everything's good again uh-huh. but when the Scarecrow turns up he's got this weird sack head and it like a kind of fixed grin, yeah. and his his face doesn't move, but he's talking. Really creepy. Like um, cover the lion's back. Unfortunately, now hugely racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the original film was made in 1939, which I'm pretty sure the cowardly lion was racist then. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, the actual escape of, um, attempt here, like say Andy, there's uh, there's stop motion kind of permeating through a lot of the third act of this. But um, obviously, kind of everything you see the Gnome King doing when he kind of summons the army of smaller gnomes, nomets, if you will, mm-hmm. to try and stop them and all that kind of thing. Pretty much all of this, I think, is just like cracking to look at. I really, really love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good stop motion. Like, but yeah, it's this all building up to the big crescendo where the Gnome King. He basically throws a wobbly, doesn't he? He throws the toys, toys out the pram because they've, because she's cracked it. Dorothy has figured out his game, and so he goes, "No!" And he just interrupts the game. And Dorothy actually says, "I haven't finished yet. Give me a chance." And then the Gnome King sort of becomes this giant mountain hovering over them, and there's like volcanoes erupting behind him and fire. And he says, "No, I've had enough, and I'm gonna just eat you all." He basically says, "I'm just gonna eat you all because fuck it, I'm the Gnome King." <laughs> Um, and so he, 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 who does he eat first? 
he tries to eat the gump, but they manage to they manage to rescue his head. So he, ah, he just eats his uh, sofa torso, doesn't he? <laughs> That's right. He eats his sofa torso, and then he says, "Oh, I'm going to have pumpkin head next." Yeah, he grabs Jack pumpkin head and um he picks up and oh this is the other thing that we don't realize that the talking chicken is actually now inside why am i this saying this out loud is mental <laughs> um, the talking chicken is inside jack pumpkin head his head but the gnome king doesn't know that right and we already know that the gnome king hates chickens for some reason so he picks up jack's uh, pumpkin head he's about to eat him when the chicken lays an egg and it falls out of jack's pumpkin head into the gnome king's mouth and immediately you can tell something's not right well we do learn very early on in the film that actually belina's facing the chopping block because she stopped laying eggs so this is this is a symbolic moment Ooh, i didn't i didn't put that together is that what they say at the beginning it's 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 kind of mooted yeah that like um that like because you see dorothy being like oh have you laid an egg yet and she's like oh shit no she hasn't and i think that like (laughs) There's this kind of there's this kind of unspoken thing that she's going to be fucking for it if she doesn't start laying. I just really like the idea that Belina shot herself out of fear of being eaten by the Gnome King and just <laughs> shot out an egg like just out of nothing but unbridled terror. I just want to say, Danny, as well. You mentioned the fact that like I hate the fact that the Gnome King set up the rules of the game and then before the game was finished, he was like, "I'm bored now, I'm just going to kill you." That would yeah. be to carry on your saw comparison. That would be like giving somebody two minutes to do a jigsaw puzzle and after one minute uh, to do a jigsaw a jigsaw puzzle. A jigsaw <laughs> puzzle. Uh, it's extremely very difficult. Different. It's a very different film, but like um, after a minute, we're just like walking in and shooting them. <laughs> yeah, because they were they were getting it right. <laughs> they figured it out and went, uh, no, no, changing the rules halfway through. Yeah, not having this. Yeah, it's like um, it's, it reminded me of death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where <laughs> they they keep beating him in games, and he goes best three out of five, and he keeps <laughs> keeps change keeps changing the rules because they keep beating him. This that's what the Gnome King does. He's a sore loser, lads. Yeah. On the plus side, he does die. Well, he does. I mean, it feels like such a cop out. Where they've gone like, how the fuck did they kill this mm. mountain of a man whose stomach is lava? Like he is all powerful. He controls all the rocks in Oz. And they're like, uh, f- uh, mm, fuck it, make him allergic to eggs. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically lactose intolerant. <laughs> and like fucking, I mean, literally, I, I thought that as well. I thought they've just, they've just gone out of lower, yeah, chuck an egg in and that's, that does it. I started to think, is there a metaphor here that the egg represents life and human, like, you know, be and that he's the opposite of life or he's rock. But then I was like, no, they've just run out of ideas at this point. That's something that was written in the script on the bus on the way to the pitch meeting. (laughs) (laughs) I've got it, I've got it. Then he fucking dies because chicken shits in his mouth. (laughs) And they go, fine, we we start shooting on Monday, that's fine, just put that in the script. (laughs) So the Gnome King does die, poisoned here, yes, by, uh, by, by the egg. Uh, Dorothy bags his slippers and uh, uses it to transport them not straight home but back to the Emerald City for a bit of a debrief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stopping only briefly to lament the sad loss of TikTok, who was not restored to life before presumably the ornament room was destroyed. But rapturous moment here because the the Gump has a medal on his antlers, which just so happened to be TikTok. Nice. It was a nice touch that at the end. I thought this is the literally the first time in an hour and forty minutes that you get any sort of hope 
yeah. or you know there, there, there's any sort of upbeat moment this is the first and we're at the end of the film <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you're right no it, 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 it takes it takes a hundred of the 105 minutes for you to be offered any kind of redemption whatsoever yeah um i do also think i have a question and this might be um this might be a lack of the uh, a lack of knowledge of the first film but i have a question about the slippers and what they're capable of because i understood that they could transport her places i know that that's how she got home in the first one but um the scope of their capability seems to be way bigger than that because she's like can we go to oz and it's like right i understand that that's how she moved around in the first one and then she was like can i also have a complete overnight civic regeneration of oz so it looks like it did before and they're like you can also have that is that something that the, like is that canon i think they're just <laughs> i think they're just wishing shoes they're just wishing shoes okay and it just so happened that she wished for travel the first time and this time it was to be gone say yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Like that. Like that. That legitimately does make sense. But just a curiosity um, of mine. And I guess it. They only work when they're on her. Otherwise, the gnome king could have just wished that Dorothy was dead, and it would have been a much shorter film. <laughs> or at least they could have wished the chicken away. Yeah, I wish there were. I wish a chicken had just shat in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like if, if I was like a ruling giant stone autocrat who had wishing slippers. <laughs> And the only thing that could kill me was chickens and their eggs. Then I think that, like, I wouldn't make chickens illegal. I would just get rid of them. Yeah, because we do As learn, in fact, that, you ha- that chickens are not... It's not that they're not welcome at us. They're just against the law. But no, I, I, they're banned. Yeah. <laughs> that is a major plot hole that we've just discovered there. <laughs> it's it's nothing if not fair. <laughs> I, it's like, yeah, they can go and live full, like, rewarding, fulfilling lives, just nowhere near me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, he, he wants them out, you know. Dorothy is uh, offered the position of Queen of Oz here yeah. um, mm-hmm. by overwhelming public majority, but uh, she, uh, she doesn't want it. She instead bids a tearful farewell to her friends. She has one more trick up her sleeve, or at least the slippers do. And uh, with that, we have uh, Princess Ozma, who is the girl from the asylum at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Who had been... Now, stay with me here. I was watching this under time-sensitive circumstances, and I was furiously scribbling while this was happening. She is the rightful ruler of Oz, who has been imprisoned in a mirror by Mombi. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you were just not up for any competing theories there at all, were you? <laughs> yep, that's I, fine. If you want, I think I switched off at that point. <laughs> if you want to add a further level of weird on it, apparently she's also the creator of Jack. Now, Jack tells a story earlier about how he was created, presumably as a scarecrow, mm. to scare off Mombi. And she is Jack's mum. Yeah. So Jack goes, my real mum, at the end. And then faints. And then faints, which is not how I react when I see my mum, but fair enough. <laughs> By the way, um, I, I've got to say, it's, but the, this party is going pretty well here in Oz. Everybody's having a great time, but it seems right. like the wheelers have been reintegrated into society with very little questions. Like They're just there having a great time as well. Well, the wheelers there at the end, I didn't see yeah. them. Were they? They, were, they were just following orders in the first day, you know. They're probably nice. Yeah, people. they're just like servants, aren't they? But that's what they said about the Nazis, Mitch. They were just following orders. <laughs> doesn't, mean that yes. doesn't mean that they're great and I'm going to invite them to my big party. Jesus Christ, here we are. I don't want Nazis at my party any more than I want wheelers there. It finally happened. I was wondering when we get to the Nazis. (laughs) Belina, however, uh, decides to stay, which I think is probably wise. I think that the human realm is not ready for the talking chicken. Also, I think it's important to keep Belina there as insurance, lest any of the gnomes survived the, uh, the poisoning. Yeah. Great. 
point. Yeah, she's going to have to keep the chicken population going, even though she's the only one, so someone's probably going to have to fuck her. <laughs> cool, good. You know what I was just thinking? This narrative isn't dark enough. <laughs> someone's going to have to sort of mate with her to keep the chicken population going. Because if there aren't more chickens, then she basically just becomes this like big red button if the gnomes come back. There are more yeah. chickens. There's, there's absolutely an underground black market chicken ring in Oz. You know what there is. They're just banned. They're not eliminated. So like, so like, yeah, they're like chuds. Yeah, exactly. They've been forced underground. <laughs> yeah. Dorothy goes home at this point and uh, she's discovered by her family um, asleep slash unconscious uh, by a riverbed. She kind of comes to as they find her. I just want to say that like we find out at this point that the guy, the doctor, Dr. Warley or Wormley, I believe his name Warley, is, yeah. um, he died when the practice or the building was hit by lightning. And I love it when in kids' films the happy ending is that someone has literally died. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the fact that it's like, oh, you know, that really evil guy from the beginning. It's not like it's like, oh, he got his come up, and so now he's in jail. It's like, no, he's died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he perished in the fire that consumed his business. <laughs> the oh, and that's it, the other it, thing about that the mental asylum at the beginning that I forgot to mention. When she's in there, you hear these cries of these people who have been locked in the basement, and they've they've had electro shock treatment done to them, and it's gone wrong. Yeah. So when, when she's in there, you hear, and that girl says to Dorothy, oh, that's just the other people who had the treatment and they, they went weird or something. <laughs> and so there's like these weird, you know, twisted up patients at the bottom. Like, it's just horrible. It's the people under the stairs. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not going to lie, that people under the stairs subculture of like electroshock gag reel people, they did not get out of that fire. No, they no, all died. No chance. No chance. Yeah, this is the this is the happy ending. Yeah. So now that everything is tied up in neat bows, and Doctor Watson, she's carted off in a cage, much like Mombi was. Of course. Yeah. 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 You're right. Dorothy heads home. I kind of feel like if you're her aunt and uncle, do you believe any of the new stuff that she's telling you? Well, that's the thing, Mitch, because Ozma appears in the mirror, and Dorothy's like, "Oh, Auntie M, quick, quick, come and see this, Auntie M." And Ozma's like, finger to her lips, like, "Shh." She's like, "Fucking stop talking about us." Yeah, <laughs> um, you're gonna get yourself locked up. Yeah, we might have got rid of one guy with a fucking electric earphones, which I thought was quite funny. When he was like, "We're just gonna put these earphones on you, and you'll be, yeah, you'll be fine." Um, but yeah, we got rid of one guy with electric earphones, but there's other guys. There's other guys. Let's not forget that they were so incredibly skeptical of the story that she was spinning at the start that they thought that, like, you know, like, like, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't like taken in for electroshock therapy by any kind of authority they took her there but and they were just like this is what she needs mm. and the fact that that didn't happen is kind of immaterial she comes back to you she disappears for a few days and they find her by a riverbed and she was like i went back to that place and then spins this story they're like right okay i understand that the electroshock therapy didn't happen but she clearly still has massive problems yeah she's definitely still mentally ill they they, they find her by a riverbank soaking wet and they they run over to her like there's clearly been a search party for a missing child. They they, they think she's dead, so they've been sort of grieving like, like grieving for a few days, and so they find her and then yeah, it's like nothing nothing happened. Mm. I'm yeah. going to go back to what I said earlier about the same thing in the first one. The the tornado comes. She goes to Oz and in inverted commas. And then she wakes up in her bed with her family all around her and there's a question of whether or not it was a dream. I'm going to reinstall that in this one where the minute that electroshock machine's going to go on, that's when she makes everything up. She goes to her happy place, which is Oz, 
when she wakes up by oh, that yeah. riverbed, she comes to the conclusion that Oz was either fake or knows herself as a young woman that she shouldn't be talking about it. So she yeah. puts it down into herself and the film ends with her going off and being a young, carefree girl unencumbered by people thinking she's a fucking nutcase. No, I agree. I think I've come to the conclusion that it is all in her head, that Oz is just a part of her brain that she goes to when things are bad. Mm -hmm. But she's created this whole universe in her mind, and that's quite a haunting thought, really. So on those various cheerful notes, we are out on uh, Return to Oz. Um, (laughs) Andy. (laughs) Yes. How long had it been since you had watched this last, and uh, what were your impressions this time around? Um, it'd been a long time, to be honest, man. Like, uh, it's not a film I turn to any regularity because, as we've discussed in depth, <laughs> like in some depth here, it's it's fucking depressing, man. Like, really depressing. Like, from the first frame to pretty much the last frame when she runs around as a happy little girl again, it's fucking horrible. I'd probably be more inclined to go back to something like Requiem for a Dream. Uh, so yeah it's been a good few years I did buy it on DVD maybe 10 years ago and I've maybe watched it once in the last 10 years apparently the reviews they were really angry at this director because he'd made such a scary disturbing film that doesn't surprise me at all yeah and people were taking their kids to see it and their kids were like coming out of the cinema like they'd just seen The Exorcist like completely freaked out yeah like me yeah I mean, like, I, I would, I would, I would quite believe that. I mean, like, I, this was a first watch for me. Um, I was gonna be like, oh, it would be, it would be good if I had the perspective of watching it as a child. It fucking would not have been. I'm very glad that I watched this as a 34 year old the first time that I saw it. If I watched this as a kid, it would have scarred me for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you should be. You don't want the the, the nightmares. The, you know, I still hear the wheelers when I go to bed at night. Sometimes I can still hear their screams. <laughs> <laughs> and they do communicate by shrieking at each other, which I don't know if you yeah. noticed that. That's fucking horrible as well. Mitch, you're very impressionable. I'm glad you didn't see this as a child. Yes, uh uh-huh. I I think that uh, the fact that I came to horror later in life is probably good for a lot of reasons, to be honest. None of the kind of, none of the things that we've said here take away from the fact that I really, really like this film. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had a really, like, a a good time is a weird way to describe it, but I thought that it was, I thought it was really, really interesting. And It's an oddity, isn't it? Mm. 100%. The fact that it even got made is really just odd. The whole thing is a really strange atmosphere to it you can't quite put your finger on yeah i I think if this film had been promoted properly and there was more of an attempt to be made to say that it was based more on the books rather than as a direct sequel to the original wizard of oz even the the packaging i've got uh has it's such a kind of colorful cheerful front cover uh, yeah, like they've just the tried to. They, like, tra- they definitely tried to make up for it with the artwork didn't they yeah and it's a complete bullshit like it's no <laughs> no no surprise to me that this film totally died on its ass and made back less than half its budget when it got released because it's nothing like The Wizard of Oz and for them to have packaged it like that is a disgrace, quite frankly. <laughs> and a disservice. But I think if you've got kids and you want to sort of introduce them to the concept of horror, this is quite a good place to start. Yeah, I would I would say that like it's probably not a bad entry point, but yeah, I would say gauge it very carefully. Yeah, I wouldn't say anything under 10 or 11, probably. Yeah, if, if you're trying to, like, kind of scare them in a sort of controlled way, I wouldn't be going in any earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Danny, like I, like I say, I thought this was a really good pick. Um, oh, good. And I got a lot out of talking about it as well, so thank you for that. 
Um, no, no worries. I definitely feel like a weight off my shoulders now. I finally, you know, exercise those demons and I've got all that stuff out of my head, mm. and that you two can share those horrific images with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you chose here to do that. I'm glad we yeah. did it without electrical <laughs> kind of intervention. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, God, if only if only there were podcasts in eighteen ninety nine. Maybe that's how she could have like started herself out. Yeah. Yeah. Although I am wearing headphones, I guess, and there are electrical currents probably going through them, so maybe Oh Christ, here we go. <laughs> Danny, uh the idea and the initial approach for you to come on and as it turns out talk about design to Oz was kinda of motivated by the fact that a few weeks ago um I checked out Double Date on Amazon Prime, which is where people can get it in the UK, certainly. Yes. Now, I didn't catch this at Fright Fest the year that it played, but a lot of people talked about it in very positive terms around that time, so I was looking forward to the opportunity to catch up with it. I thought it was great. Oh, thanks. So, you wrote and starred in that film. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, it came out, we got like a little cinema release a few years ago in 2017, but it was the first thing I'd written, it was the first film script I'd written, and it took a long time, well, it took about five years to get it made. Uh, and I didn't know what I was doing, but luckily I met the producer, Matt Wilkinson, who was brilliant at scripts, and he sort of helped me shape it. And then we managed to get funding for it. And my friend, Ben Barfoot, who I'd done a few short films with, came on to direct. And um, so, yeah, so I was writing and I, make, I made sure that that lead character was mine because, you know, I just wanted to write myself a, a lead role in something. Yeah. Uh, so I, I made sure that character was mine. But yeah, it's uh, it's like so it's comedy horror and it's basically two guys, two girls on one night in London on a double date. And the two girls just happen to be uh, serial killers um, and the two guys don't realize it. So that's the basic sort of premise for it. Yeah, I would say I would say that that's like as much as anybody needs to know and as much as anybody should know. Going yeah. In. yeah, it's you know it did really well. Like we when we got it, we got it to uh, Fright Fest and people loved it at Fright Fest. That was like an amazing experience. Not least seeing my face on a giant <laughs> IMAX screen, which was terrifying. <laughs> um, but the they, the crowds there loved it. It was sort of perfect, really, for Fright Fest yeah. um, and. Yeah, and we did we did really well on in a lot of the festivals, and we got some great reviews. People seem to really like it. It's kind of, and now that we've got it onto Amazon Prime streaming for free, it's starting to slowly sort of find its audience, and mm-hmm. people are just kind of clicking onto it. And we're getting a lot of messages going. I didn't. I had no idea what this was. I just flicked onto it, and I really, really liked it. And people are sort of responding to it. It's just a really fun, entertaining, you know, eighty-seven minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, like, like I say, I mean, I, I talked about it on one of our minisodes maybe about a month ago or so. Yeah, uh, maybe like more. And um, I, I thought, I thought it was great. I really, like, I really liked it. I'd recommend everybody go check it out. But um, is there anything in the pipeline that you want to talk about? So the double date team, we are. We are working on a new thing. We've got the script sort of finished um, and we're now kind of looking for to get funding and stuff. So it's for our second film, for our follow-up to this. Mm-hmm. It's taken a long time to get the script right. But I can't really say much about it other than it's more action comedy and it might be about gingers on the run. <laughs> Two ginger siblings on the run. Uh, yeah, but it's a really, really fun script. So we're just we're going out to some actors at the moment and it's you know, it's gonna be cost a little bit more money, which is hard because when your first film, even though it gets some good reviews and people like it, you know, if it doesn't make money, then yeah. people are reluctant to give you even more money the second time. So yeah, so we've got that film that we're hoping to if we can get everything going, shoot towards the end of this year. 
other than that, not really. I mean, I've got a little short film that I directed, so I've just started getting into directing, and I've done a couple of short films. And the last mm-hmm. one I did was a little comedy horror short called Burnt, okay. which is um, I've just posted links to it on Twitter and stuff, so I can put it on your Twitter page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes about a demonic toaster, and um, <laughs> it's it's good it's good fun, like. <laughs> So you can definitely check that out. But also, if you wanted to see something, see the thing that kind of started before Double Date, there's a good short film that me and Ben made called Where Did It All Go Ron? Uh, you can see it on, get it on YouTube. And it's basically me playing a 30-year-old, alcoholic, depressed Ron Weasley. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in my flat and I'm, I'm, I'm organising a 30th birthday party and Hermione and Harry don't turn up. So Ron's on his own, he gets very depressed, very drunk, and in the end he blows his brains out with his wand. (laughs) Sorry, that's a spoiler alert. So anyway, it's kind of uh, similar tonally to Double Date, and people seem to really, really like that. And it's sort of what got Double Date made. Matt, the producer, loved it, and it was kind of weirdly the thing that led on to Double Date. So I recommend checking that out as well. Nice. That sounds brilliant. Danny, this has been great. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I loved it. Uh, where loved can it people get you on social media? Oh yeah, so I am Danny Morgan eighty three at Danny Morgan eighty three on Twitter. That's probably the best place to get me, actually. Fantastic, Danny. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for gents, I've had a blast. Thank you so much. I had such a great time. Cheers. So I know that you were a little bit dubious about the uh, the film choice and it's kind of controversial nature because it's quite well liked. But I think that conversation turned out pretty well. Yeah, I actually had a great time doing that. And so far from what I've seen since we announced it, I don't mind telling people that this is the day that the minisode went out when we announced this that we're recording. So I've been heartened by the response that I've seen on social media today that maybe makes the decision to do Return to Oz a more valid one than I, than I had conflated it to be. The, the general consensus seems to be that uh, it's more kind of that people were kind of looking forward to the discussion rather than taking on board for the fact it was chosen, which I think is good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, huge thank you to uh, Danny Morgan, the writer and star of Double Day. And if you like the sound of that film, I really liked it. It's available yeah. on Amazon Prime in the UK. I'm assuming that's the case in some other territories as well. But yeah, I, um, I really liked it. Uh, go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was great fun. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, we're done for another one, but we're never gone for long. We are back, of course, on Monday with another mini-sode for you. Nature will be continuing to go wild, specifically how we don't know. I know that you know. You said that you planned it already. Yeah, we'll be online this week. Cool. Okay, great stuff. We will also be taking a look at the things that I've been watching. I've already watched a couple of things again. I'm ready to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be taking a look at your feedback, playing which pitches, and we'll be announcing the plan, the guest, the film, etc. for next week's episode as well, and that's going to be a great one too. Yeah, um, it's a very different beast to return to Oz. Very true, yeah, absolutely. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email Scenes at gmail.com, and you can interact with us, well, me, and um, a whole bunch of other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yeah, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes. I'm keeping an eye on the mail every day for some of this merch arriving. Uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Can't wait to put it out to you guys as well because it's, yeah. it's, it's nice stuff that we've spent some money on. Absolutely, yeah. Looking forward to getting that out to everybody. We are back on Monday with another mini-sode for you. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Thanks.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.